Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 is where we will be today as we look at biblical prosperity. What does it mean to be prosperous in the eyes of God, according to Solomon, who is regarded as the wisest man of all Scripture? Many will take this chapter and this book and say, are there not contradictions found in the book of Ecclesiastes? But in the end, it is summed in this manner, that meaning apart from God Almighty is meaningless. That life apart from God in His kingdom is vanity. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 tell us, Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man shall sow, that he shall surely reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap the Spirit of life. Stuart Briscoe and Adrian Rogers, for that matter, are men whom I've read and listened to. And Stuart Briscoe said this. He said, you know, there are three things that you can do with your life. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. Three things that we do with our lives. We either spend it, waste it, or invest it. And that's true of our resources, of our time, of our talents. Thank God that there are people who invested in our country and invested in our freedoms and invested in our right to worship. In 1886, the U.S. was recovering from civil war and surviving soldiers were turning home and telling stories of the war and of sacrifices that had been made. Henry Wells was a local shop owner in Waterloo, New York, and he determined that he would choose a day the following week in which he would close his store, and he invited all the shop owners in Waterloo to close their stores in memory of those who had served in the war, and in memory of particularly those who had died. And so they did that. And after a few years, in 1882, uh, the name was changed to Memorial Day. And it honored those who were living, but particularly those who had passed on. And in many communities, there would be a parade of which veterans would march down the streets and go to the local cemetery. And there they would recognize and decorate the graves of those who had died in service to their country. In 1971, Richard Nixon made Memorial Day a federal holiday. As we take time to remember this weekend, the sacrifices of those who have gone before us, I think it's important that we remember that we honor them when we embrace the freedom, we embrace the life that has been offered to us in fullness and remember that seeds were sown that we might enjoy the life that we have today, that we might not only enjoy, but that we might invest of what has been given to us. For most of us, more has been sown than we could ever possibly sow ourselves. It's important for us to remember that, and I think it is in concordance with what Solomon is teaching us in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, as we look at what it means to experience biblical prosperity. Solomon will share eight principles with us of what it looks 
like to experience biblical prosperity. In the day that we live in today, many would choose to say that it's all about us and all about what we can get. And if we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to attempt to capitalize or simply to take from God without realizing that life is really found in our giving to Him in the kingdom of God itself. In chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, Solomon kind of sums up what prosperity is, and it's to be thankful, it is to sow good, and to live a life of joy and purpose. Not ease, not convenience, and not necessarily riches, but one of purpose. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, as we read other in verse 7 and 8, and in verse 9 it says, For in due time we shall reap the harvest of plenty if we do not quit. Maybe you're here today and you've found yourself wanting to quit. Maybe you feel like you've been faithful, but you feel like things have just not worked for you today. I want us to take a look at what the Scriptures tell us, what the wisest man who ever lived can tell us about what it means to live in biblical prosperity. God desires for us to prosper. The Bible tells us in Psalms 1-3, the Bible says that a righteous man shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf is also not, shall not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. Joshua 1-8, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou may observe us and do according to what is written that thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. The book of 3 John, chapter 2, verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. And in Psalms 35, 27, Let them shout for joy and be glad that the favor of my righteous cause, yea, let them say continual, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in prosperity in His servants. I think it's important that we recognize as we come into prosperity, there are three things for us to recognize about prosperity. Number one uh, is that we examine our motives. God desires that we prosper, that we may invest in His kingdom and that His kingdom might continually prosper. Number two, as we think about prosperity, I think it is always wise for us to get good counsel the Bible tells us in Proverbs 15:22, without counsel, purposes are discouraged. And number three, beware of get quick or get rich quick schemes. Proverbs 28:22 says, a stingy man is eager to get quick rich or rich quick, and he is unaware that poverty awaits him. Well, what does Solomon tell us? Well. Verse 1 of chapter 11, he says here, he says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. That word cast in the Hebrew literally means to send. To send out your grain upon the surfaces of the water. Solomon was one of, one of the first that we know from biblical history who was wise in the sense that he would send ships out to other nations and into other lands and would bring back spices and valuable commodities that didn't exist in his homeland. And he would trade those. And he became 
uh, very prosperous and very wealthy because of this. But also, Solomon was wise enough to make investments in those who would go. Investments in their lives and in their vocation. And as he would invest in people, as he would invest in ships, he learned that it would return to him threefold, even sevenfold sometimes. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it. Give portions to seven, yes to eight. The first principle we see is that of investment. And as we see, as even in the secular world, as kings and queens would invest in those to go to other lands, we see the return on their investments. We see that, of course, with Columbus and many others. But also we see here the principle Solomon gives us of diversification. Give portions to seven, yes to eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. The principle of diversification. You know, in our church, we believe in the principle of diversification in missions and ministries and in giving. And every month, uh, nearly $12,000 goes out to that of missions and that, that of ministries that exist outside of our church. That's why we have chosen to invest uh, in Tanzania, in Dar es Salaam, and in a village there in which we feel like we can make a difference uh, through medical treatment and through other goods as well as hopefully planting a church there. We believe it's important to diversify what God has given us and to give to those who don't have and who don't have the same opportunities that we have been given. We also support uh, internationally through the cooperative program uh, well over a thousand missionaries who receive support from what we give to the cooperative program every month. So it's true nationally as we support people who've come through our church and are planting, who we've sent out, uh, whether it be California or Miami or Phoenix or locally here. We believe in the importance of investing here. We also do that through an organization called CCA, Christian Community Action, which helps people and trains people uh, in job skills and helps them uh, when they are in need through food and um, through clothing and other assistance. Uh, we also have benevolence, and many of you help and contribute to that, as well as other local organizations that we help support. We want to do that because God has blessed us and He has asked us. And there's really a, a twofold meaning, meaning here when you see the diversification. First, I think there's the principle that we can learn that, it, that we need to diversify what we have financially. That's why uh, mutual funds are, have, have been so successful because it's the principle of diversifying uh, your income in different venues. So as we begin to give, God wants us to diversify in our lives. Sometimes people think, well, I give, uh, I give some money to the church. But really, diversification moves beyond finances. It's as we give of our lives, as we serve in our local church, as we serve in our community, as we pray for the good of the church and of the kingdom of God in this area. It is important that we pray, that we give of all of our heart, soul, and mind, and that we live a life of diversity, of giving of all that we are. Principle number three we see in verse three here. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. You see the principle of preparation, preparing your life. Recognize that there are times and events that are coming that you cannot control. 
Things will happen. Things will occur. But our investments in the kingdom of God will never falter. They will never pass away as we invest in the lives of people who don't know Christ, of people who have the need to know God and experience His riches and mercy. A lot of times people will say, well, I want to get prepared. I want to invest and I want to make an impact. But, you know, I'm, I'm just in a place financially where I can't do anything. I've got lots of debt and I'm just really stuck where I am. You know, I think it's important that we stop and we look at our lives and that we take a few moments to really educate ourselves and become honest with ourselves about what God has given us and what we have. Many times we find ourselves in financial stress or financial distress, and if we stop and look, we can see there are things that we're spending money on that, quite frankly, are a waste. Remember how I talked about at the beginning of the message that we can spend our lives, we can waste our lives, or we can invest our lives? The same is true with our resources. You say, well, I don't think I'm wasting anything. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many here could say, I have a storage unit. I have two storage units. And I've got a bunch of stuff in there that I haven't looked at in a year, a year and a half. And financially, you'd be better off to call CCA, come get all my junk, and take it away and get a tax credit for it because I'm not probably going to use it again. One day it's going to, it's going to get so old, I'm going to go just throw that thing out of here and I'm going to get rid of it. It would be better off for us to take that money and we would be in less debt when we start to look at our lives in aspects like that. We are consumed in a mindset of everything has to be new. I always have to buy new. Or I've always, if I make more money, I've got to get bigger. I've got to get better. You know, that's really just kind of the lie that drives us into the pit of debt. You know what? God loves you just as much maybe even more when you don't have new things. You know, we find ourselves thinking that's who we are, though. And the kind of the appeal or the allure of new can place us in a position where we are in bondage. There are many things you could sit down and look. You know, we find ourselves eating out all the time, entertainment-driven. When was the last time you sat down and looked at your budget? And if we're real honest, we're wasting money. And let me tell you what God doesn't do for us. When we purposely and continually put ourselves in debt with things that we don't need, we can't cry out to God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's saying, you know what? You probably ought to cut off your direct TV for a little while. You probably ought to quit eating out five times a week. You probably ought to reduce your entertainment budget. You see... God gave us a promise in His Word through the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.19, and it's this, For my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But you know what promise God didn't make in which is the antithesis of His Word? For my God shall supply all your greeds according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He's not going to do it. Now, sometimes things happen to us that we can't help, and that's uh, that happens, and sometimes people are greatly affected financially. God understands that. And God wants to work and bless. But sometimes, let's be honest, we do it to ourselves. And when we do it to ourselves to the point that we don't prepare, then we have been unwise. And in fact, we become foolish. Principle number four, in verse number four, Solomon shares with us, whoever watches the wind will not plant. 
And whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. It's the principle of risk, of venture. Taking a risk, an intelligent, good risk. The farmer does that when he takes his seed, the very seed that he has, and he places it back into the ground, hoping and praying that rain will come so that his investment in the ground will multiply and food will be provided. That's an intelligent, good venture. And I believe God wants us to take ventures that are reasonable and that are edifying for the purpose that God wants us to prosper so that the kingdom may prosper, so that others may give. Here's my, here's my really, really my belief about money. God wants us to make as much as we can so we can give as much as we can. I really believe that, so that we can help others as much as we can. When we get stuck on ourselves, then it becomes a hindrance. It becomes an idol. Let me tell you the difference, though. God wants us to invest in things that are win-win, not win-lose. So many times we hear about these get-rich-quick things or, you know, my confession. Some of you have heard it before. I'm going to quit confessing because I feel bad every time I share this. But I remember back in the late 90s, you know, before I was married and I had a little bit of money and I made some money in stocks and then I invested them all in these penny stocks and these high techs. It's all gone. You know why? That was stupid. That's why. Uh, because... The reason being is this. It's because I was thinking I was going to get rich quick with those. And I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I was just pouring it in there, and it's all gone. Well, that was very unwise, and I have nothing to show for it today. But win-win. Win-win. When I begin to make investments in things that can make a difference. Well, it's not about just me making money, but it's about others winning from my investments. It's about the kingdom of God winning as well as me. Proverbs tells us over and over again the importance of what we do with our well. Verse 5 tells us the principle of trust. Principle of trust. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Verse 5 tells us of the sovereignty of God. You are not going to be able to control everything. And at the end of the day, you will have to trust God. It is imperative that we learn to trust Him. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on thy own understanding. Acknowledge Him and in all thy ways He will direct thy path. The principle of trust doing everything that we can and trusting God with what we cannot do. As Solomon shares here, for you do not know the path of the wind. You cannot control all things. At the end of the day, we do what is righteous, we do what is best, what is wise, and we trust God with the rest. Number six, in verse six, as Galatians six and verse seven and eight tell us, Sow your seed. Sow your seed in the morning. The principle of sowing and harvesting. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening and let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. The principle of work. Of work. Work is good. God wants us to work. It's a, it's a mandate from God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verse 4, The sluggard shall not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Can I tell you this? 
Oswald Chambers, you've heard me quote this before, says, faith is this. It's doing everything that we honestly and ethically can and trusting the rest to God. God wants us to work. He wants us to invest and do all that we can. And this Scripture right here, he says, while the sun is shining... During the day, work, and even at night. And what he's giving the picture of here, and scholars debate over this, but this is what I believe he's giving the picture. He's giving the metaphor of day and night. In the days of your youth, work hard and let your returns come. And in the evening, in your latter years, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't say, I'm done. I'm done serving. I'm done helping. I'm done giving. I'm just going to coast. From this place on, sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let not your hands become idle. God will take our efforts when they are meant to bless Him, when they are meant to honor the principle of work, and He will work and bless through that. Perspective, verses 7 and 8, the principle of perspective. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. And everything that is to come is meaningless or temporary. Light is sweet. Celebrate what God has given you. Celebrate. Have the perspective of recognizing you are blessed. You are a blessed person. You can find yourself in a perspective of comparing yourself to the person next door or somebody down the street. And if you do that, you are allowing your joy to be robbed. But God wants you to have the proper perspective. If you have a home, be thankful and grateful. If you have a family, be joyful and appreciate it and embrace it. If you have food to eat, be grateful and thankful and rejoice that God has provided for you. Be grateful and thankful for all that God has given and recognize the blessings that you have. Celebrate and embrace the blessings. Recognize that there's an end and one day they won't be there. Appreciate what you have while you have it. Verse 9 and 10 teaches us the principle of accountability. Be happy, young man, while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Enjoy the youth that has been given to you. Enjoy this time to work and to have purpose and to make meaningful investments in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of your family. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever you, your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. That's an interesting passage there. And it's interesting because what does he say? He says, follow the, the passions of your heart, the desires of your heart, and be, be willing to recognize that God has placed beauty all around you. Enjoy with your eyes what God has presented before you, but do so and recognize that you do that in the boundaries of His Word, in the boundaries of His Spirit, of His kingdom, and what's good and right before Him. And he goes on to say, for we will stand in judgment. But God wants you to enjoy. Do you recognize not only are we judged for what we've done wrong and for the things that we have done that are dishonoring God, but when we don't honor, when we don't celebrate, when we don't embrace the blessings that we have, 
when we just gloss right over them and fail to enjoy them and fail to be grateful, we also lose the principle of happiness when we choose to do that as well. But we are accountable for what we have been given. But know these things that God will bring to you judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are fleeting or are temporary. Recognize that you are a steward of the blessings that God has given you. And whatever you sow, that will you reap. It's the principle of investment. If you sow to the Spirit, the Bible tells us, we'll reap of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, then you'll reap of the flesh. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. When we sow to corruption, we say, you know, I'm just sowing my wild oats right now. Can I tell you? There's always a cost for sowing our oats. We may think at the time we just got away from it and it was a big, big laugh, but you know what? It affects us in other ways. Sometimes when we sow like that, it affects us in our, in our family. It affects our children. It's important that we take the life that God has offered to us and that we sow to the good, that we sow to the kingdom, that we sow that we might be blessings to others and their lives. The principle of sowing and reaping. We eventually will reap what we sow. What are you sowing today? What are you doing with your life and your resources, your talents, your abilities? Are you spending it? Are you wasting it? Are you investing it? This being Memorial Day, it's easy for us to look back and see those who've made sacrifices and investments. But what if today was your Memorial Day? What if this was your last weekend? What would be said of your ROI, the return on your investment? What would be the ROI for the kingdom? What would be the ROI for your life? Hey, it's not a question of whether we'll give account or not. It's just a question of when. What are you doing with the blessings that God has given you?